You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Zach's season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 327. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. Funny show for you today. We've got comedian Sarah Colonna on the show. You've heard her on this podcast numerous times. I'm bringing her back because I always love to bring her back when she's here in Dallas. going to promote that. You can check that out tomorrow night and Saturday night at Hyenas Comedy Club in downtown Dallas off Mockingbird. Those that are familiar with the area, you know where that is. Sarah Colonna, two shows tomorrow night, two shows Saturday night. You'll hear her on this podcast momentarily. A few things to get to before we get to Sarah. I did mention today earlier on the Daily Roundup, which should be in your podcast feed, that I do have the finale date for Zach's season, and his season finale is going to air Monday, March 27th. They're only doing a one-night finale. It's not two nights. So I'm assuming it's going to be three hours. ABC hasn't released anything. This is stuff that I'm hearing behind the scenes. But where we're at right now, knowing that we now know the end date of where we have to get to when the season ends and where next Monday the 27th is, well, they're going to have to double up at some point because you still have the episode next week in Estonia, you still have Budapest, you still have hometown dates, you still have overnight dates, you still have to do a women tell all episode, and you still have to have the finale in Thailand. So next Monday is the 27th of February, right? Is it 27th? Yeah. And then the finale is a month later. So from the 27th to the other 27th is only one, two, three, four, five. That's five Mondays. Well, there's six episodes that still need to be covered. So clearly they have to double up at some point. The thing about Monday's episode being the uh, finale being on the 27th is it's really making it seem like they are going to start this season of filming The Bachelorette before Zach's season is done airing. It makes no sense to me. They've never done that in 19 seasons. But I have been hearing that they are going to start filming around the, seven, the weekend of March 17th. Now, granted, that could change. Maybe all this stuff is new, and they're going to push that back. But it always made sense, obviously, to have the Bachelorette filming start after the Bachelor finale. Because what did they do in the Bachelor finale all the time? Introduce the Bachelorette. Have her meet five of her guys. They've done that for, you know, not counting the pandemic seasons, but how many times in a row have they done that? where the the Bachelorettes got to meet some of their guys on the live after the final rose. Well, if that stays true to form, and if what I heard that the Bachelorette was going to start filming the weekend of the 17th, whether it was the 17th, 18th, or 19th, that Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, let's just say it started Sunday on the 19th, and Zach's finale's on the 27th. They'd be eight days into Bachelorette filming. Clearly, they're not going to bring... What are they going to do? Bring the Bachelorette on the show and admit that they've already started filming. It's just they've never done that. I don't see them doing that. They stick to a very strict schedule. So I'm kind of throwing my hands up in the air. All I know now is finale is March 27th for Zach. 
assuming it's going to be a three-hour finale where we get the two hours of what happened in Thailand and then a one-hour live after the final rose because they're definitely doing a live after the final rose. So maybe they push Bachelorette filming back to the next night. They start at the next night, Tuesday or maybe even Wednesday, to give them a, a day to, to set up and do everything. I mean, clearly they're already, as they get closer, they're going to the mansion and setting stuff up. But I don't know. I will keep you updated. We're still a month away. I mean, now hearing this, well, actually, we're over a month away. Today's only the 23rd of February. We are a month and four days away from Zach's finale. It's just a matter of when does Bachelorette start filming. It makes sense. It's always started filming the week the Bachelor finale airs because you get that lead in to be like, hey, here's our Bachelorette. Hey, she's meeting five guys. Pretty soon, she's going to start her journey. You know, they bring her out. They talk to her about all the stuff. Okay. Well, if she's already started her season filming, why? Look, I'm not saying it can't be done. It would just be weird for this franchise since they've never done it in 19 seasons. So I'll keep you updated on whatever I hear. Did you see that Chris Harrison addressed the rumors that ABC contacted him? Yeah, he took to his podcast. Tori Spelling was on his podcast for I don't know what reason, but... The quote was basically from Chris. I read it in my daily roundup. I deleted it already, so I can't pull it up on my phone and read it. But paraphrasing, Chris said, you don't want to burn any bridges, essentially. You never say never because you just never know in in the world of Hollywood. He said if they made the call, would he listen? Yes. Which really seems weird because if you've listened to Chris's podcast since he started, it seems like he's made it perfectly clear he's so happy he's away from the franchise. Now, maybe he's just saying, yeah, I'll listen, but I have no interest in ever going back. But we all know it was a rumor to begin with. ABC has already denied they had any internal discussions about bringing Chris back to host the show. They're not going to ask him back, and he's not coming back. It's pretty much a non-story, but Chris addressed it because it was a story that made headlines. It was about him. He's got a podcast. Clearly, he's going to talk about it. And he said, yeah, I'd listen. I made a lot of friendships there, had a lot of relationships there, all this stuff. But then if you listen to his podcast for the first two months, all he's been doing is kind of shitting on the show and how miserable he was. So which is it? Why would you go back to something where you not only admitted you weren't happy when you were in it, You've talked so much about how happy you are since you left the show and how everything has been so much better and life's worked out perfectly for you since then. So why would you even contemplate picking up the... I mean, I get picking up the phone and listening, but it it just it sounds hypocritical if he would ever go back. I just... I don't see it. I really don't. They're not going to... Well, it's not that I don't see it. It's not going to happen. They're not going to ask him, and he's not going back. So I think we can just get that out of our heads. The only other thing I wanted to bring up briefly, I talked about it in the Daily Roundup, was the fact that yesterday I linked to Kristen Baldwin's interview with a couple of the producers about how it worked in London and everything. And I got a lot of questions about this in the reader emails about, really, did it have to go down that way? Why not just wait out until Zach is better so he can still go on the group date and still go on his one-on-one with charity? And basically, if you read that article, the producers say, look, we are on a tight, tight timeline on this show. We have X amount of rooms booked at hotels in different countries. We can't just be like, okay, well, London, can we stay an extra four or five days here? This is a giant crew that travels with the show. I don't know how many rooms they book, but it's not like they have five. (laughs) It's more like probably 50. 
that they have to allot for their cast and crew when they go to a hotel in a different country. So if you have like a week, say you have a week booked in, in London and this happens, he gets COVID, you can't go to the London front desk and be like, yeah, can you extend 50 rooms another week? It's just not possible. They're expecting 50 rooms to free up after a week. They've obviously got other guests coming in after that. They're not going to be able to do that. And then if you do that, let's just say they were able to accommodate them and be like, yeah, we'll let you stay an extra week. Then that throws everything off in Estonia, where they're headed next, which then throws off everything in Budapest, which then throws off when they have to go to Thailand because they've got those reserved for when they go to Thailand. And if they're running behind on everything, no. It's just it's not possible. It's a really good article to listen uh, to read as the producers were very, uh, very open and honest about how they put everything together so quickly, what they had to do, how they thought on the fly. So go check it out. It's I linked to it in yesterday's reader emails if you hadn't checked it out. So before we get going, this podcast brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Shake off that winter with delicious, easy-to-follow recipes that support your healthy lifestyle and taste good, too. Make time for exciting new goals this spring, convenient, nutritious recipes. Try the fast and fit recipes under 750 calories and ready in less than 25 minutes plus. You cut down on meal prep with pre-portioned and prepped ingredients, including pre-measured sauces, spices, and dressings. You know me. I hate to cook. But Green Chef makes it so easy for me. I love the pork, apple, and raisins. Only took me about 28 minutes to do it. It's got smoky roasted sweet potatoes along with some garlicky broccoli. Say garlicky broccoli five times fast. I don't want to try. It'll come across horribly. I love their crispy southern chicken, which has mashed potatoes and green beans with a tomato. The spicy beef and broccoli noodle bowls are to die for. So many good, quick-to-make meals. Less than 30 minutes to get this food done. And I don't cook. You know me. I'm terrible. I've said it for years. I'm not a good cook. But when they make it so easy and they just lay out the directions and they hand you every single thing thing that you need, you can't beat it. I'm telling you. Such a good offer for them. You go to greenchef.com slash realitysteve60. Use code realitysteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash realitysteve60. Use code realitysteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. You know, I've also promoted HelloFresh on this podcast. And I've worked with them in the past. Obviously, Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh. And with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's basically something for all of you. And I can switch between the brands because it helps you, the listeners, can enjoy both brands at a discount with me. One last time, greenchef.com slash realitysteve60. Use code realitysteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef. Number one meal kit for eating well. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 327. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, she's a New York Times bestselling author. She's a comedian. She co-hosts the Are You My Podcast podcast. Multi-time guest on this show. She'll be performing this weekend in Dallas at Hyenas Comedy Club. Two shows Friday and two shows Saturday. It is Sarah Colonna. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm good. You know, when I was thinking about this, and I could be way off. The last time I think you were in Dallas is when I had you on the podcast. Was that pre-COVID? It I it was. Yeah, it, it was. It was three years I, ago since I've seen you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that was pre-COVID. Because we were able to go out and have a drink. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously you can do that again now. But, you def- like, it was, yeah, it was pre-COVID. So it must have been 20. 20- 19 like late in the year i'm trying to remember exactly but yeah isn't that crazy or it was within those first three months of 2020 maybe it could have been then but yeah either late 2019 or early 2020 and god first off it doesn't seem like three years but yeah thinking back on it now i don't remember anything in revolving when i was at the club watching you i don't remember being masked and then you know afterwards i don't remember anything mask related when we went to the bar so yeah god i (laughs) when i was thinking about that i was like it hasn't been pre-COVID since I've seen Sarah perform, and it, yeah, I guess yeah. so. Those Holy years, uh, you know, they've. I think for all of us, have things have meshed together and been like. Even last year, I remember when it became Christmas time. I just I looked at my husband and I was like, I don't even. It doesn't feel like it's supposed to be Christmas time yet, so I had a hard time getting in the swing of it and getting in the mood. And he's, you know, loves Christmas and decorates our house like crazy. So it took me a minute to, to realize that the year had already gone by even last year. And, and that I, was you know out of it. My clock is strictly based on pre or post COVID. Now I, I base everything in my, when I, in, in terms of my memory of when I go back to think about things of when shit happened, it's always pre March, 2020 or post. And, yeah. <laughs> yet, yet this thing I couldn't even, uh, you know, I couldn't remember. But just curious, I, I've asked a couple comedians this that I've spoken with. Have you included any COVID stuff in your new in your new sets? You know, I have. Um, I don't. I don't. I've done some stuff, and I do some stuff still that I think everyone can relate to on on, on a you know kind of a day to day basis level because I think. Um, you know, I just play with some stuff still that everyone can sort of be like, okay, yeah, I, I felt that or I went through that. But uh, I don't overdo it because I feel like we probably want to move on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like a lot, I think at the beginning it was probably something that people would be like, oh, God, let's laugh about this somehow. And now I think, yeah, well, let's laugh about it a little bit, but let's not, you know, harp on it too much because we don't want to <laughs> spend too much time in that headspace. Well, I know you're not watching The Bachelor this season. However, COVID struck The Bachelor this season in last night's episode or this week's episode. You're going to be people going to be hearing this on Thursday. On this past Monday's episode of The Bachelor, The Bachelor got COVID when they were in London after he had a one-on-one date. So they literally had to shut down the rest of their time in London, so no group date. Well, <laughs> They really tortured the women because they delivered a group date card, but it was from Zach, the bachelor, who is Patrick Warburton's nephew, by the way. So Putty's uh, nephew is the bachelor. And that is amazing. He, he delivers a card saying, women, you know, ladies, I'm not feeling well, but I'd like you to enjoy London. Please go out and, and I'll see you soon. So they go out and they explore London. They go on a double-decker bus. So they go hopping around town and to pubs and stuff. And then... They all get dressed up and dolled up, thinking they're going to see him at nighttime portion of the date. And another date card is dropped, and he's like, sorry, ladies, you know, not feeling well. I, I hope to see you again. I hope to see you soon. And I was like, okay, this is really cruel on producers. They knew he wasn't showing up for the night portion, but they made the women get dressed up. 
And then he canceled the date the next day and said through Jesse Palmer, the host, hey, uh, Zach's got COVID. So what they did was they did a um, FaceTime, Zoom, whatever you want to call it. They, he ha- they had Zach set up equipment in his room, and he was on an iPad, and then the women would come in one by one for the quote-unquote cocktail party and just talk to him that way because he didn't want to just end the week and be like, I, 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 he, he's like, I need some time with these women. And then he did the rose ceremony over uh, they had on the on the TV in the room. They just had the remaining women left, and he was on a giant screen in the TV in the room. And he would say, "Call the women up. Will you accept this rose?" They picked a rose up off the table, and oh they were God. safe. Yeah, but yeah, first time. I mean, it's funny because this show produced seasons all throughout COVID. Now, granted, they were in one location where they had the whole place to themselves, but this is the first time anybody that we have known, at least the the lead, has gotten COVID before. So the whole thing was uh, pretty crazy. That is insane and i mean it, it's <laughs> it's crazy i feel like it's all like they're also you know still test i feel like that's the only job in, in how is that that they're still testing all the time is any sort of production right yeah and so it's gonna come up constantly but i can't believe it's the first i actually can't believe it's the first time but uh you know sounds like they milked it for all it was worth (laughs) well yeah last season a contestant got it when they were down to about 10 guys i think on the bachelorette and he was just eliminated from the show zach just got to wait it out because his symptoms i guess were really mild and you know now we're only in like roughly five day quarantine where you can literally just go back they don't have that 10 day anymore so yeah i mean they got through it now a show that you cover that I don't watch, that you have for your podcast, the Are You My Podcast podcast, where you cover Married at First Sight, I know that they were producing stuff during the pandemic. Did any of them ever have to deal with any of those couples ever catch COVID? Yeah, there were a couple. There was a, I remember um, one guy got it, um, I think, like the night after or one, one night during their honeymoon. So he was like locked up. They were in separate rooms for part of the honeymoon. And the girl was obviously <laughs> pretty bumped out. Um, okay. And, and then there's been a couple times where people have gotten it, but they, they kind of, they kind of gloss over it. They're, they're like, Oh, so-and-so got COVID. And then they'll just like FaceTime for that part of the show from their hotel room and be like, Hope I'm feeling better soon. And then you basically, so it definitely affected a couple. Oh, and no, there was one that had affected a wedding. Maybe that was two years ago that they had to end up getting married like another day later than they were supposed to because he had tested and they had to wait for him to test negative. So it's definitely hit, uh, you know, a few people on there. I mean, they have enough problems without, you know, having COVID on there. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, here's another thing. I, I, like I said, I don't watch. Married at First Sight. Well, I shouldn't say that. I watched the whole first season because the uh, Jamie was on The Bachelor. I don't know yeah. if you remember. She was on The Bachelor yeah, a oh, long yeah. time ago. Ben Planick season. Oh, wait, by the way, are they still together? Jamie and they are still together. Okay, and she is. Um, she's a, she spends a lot of time on um, Instagram. You should you should go. <laughs> so take I, a, so I've heard. Take yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and but they, she got a but she got like two or three spinoffs. They got their own show. I know that she. I, I unfortunately I know that she she did have a uh, she did miscarry uh, at one point, but they have yeah. had a child since. So good for them. Um, so like I said, I don't follow the show, but I'm very well aware of what it is. And when this first hit the airwaves, Jamie's season, it was like. Holy shit. Like, we haven't really seen anything like this. We've seen some crazy off-the-wall stuff, but marrying somebody without 
seeing them for the first time until they're walking down the aisle seemed like preposterous. Yet, as far as I know, and just kind of hearing this and reading headlines throughout the years, their success rate isn't all that bad, is it? I mean, these people are still married, right? It they had they they were doing well for a minute. <laughs> they had a good success rate. There's some people, but the past few seasons it's been not good. And then and then the the few couples that stayed together in the past few seasons ended up still divorcing later once the show ended. So I don't I know last season there was nobody stayed together. Um, eventually there there was like two couples at the end, and then they ended up breaking up a couple months after the show um ended so i think their success rate has gone down a lot and fans of the show that you know that people that i interact with from the podcast and that have watched it for a long time i think their their theory is that they started casting more for the show than they did for marriage and in the beginning they were actually trying to make couples match and now they're just trying for for some drama okay now, this is the other thing is I usually mix this show up with 90 Day Fiance. Do you watch that one? I do. I haven't watched it in a bit, but I used to watch it all the time. I was like obsessed, especially with the first, like with Danielle and Muhammad and those, remember those couple? Oh, they were the best. Real crazy, real crazy stuff went on. <laughs> now, obviously, you're, you're, you're a married woman. So when you watch a show like this, and you, I, I know that from one of your sets, one of your older sets, you are someone that talked about sexual compatibility about, Hey, I can't, if you want, you know, I respect the hell out of you. If you want to wait till marriage, that's fine. Not for me. I, I can't, you know, I can't do that. I have to know <laughs> if I'm sexually compatible with my partner before marrying them. So I already know what your answer that is to this show that you could, ne you know, if you went back 10, 15 years, you could never do something like this. I just don't, <laughs> Are they just lucking out for the contestants and the couples that do make it? Because this seems damn near impossible. That's literally like going to the bar and marrying somebody that night when you see them. Because that's really what it is. You don't know anything about these people other than, yes, there is a casting department that has at least tried to match you up with somebody that has some of the likes that you're interested in, you know, in terms of, you know, outdoorsy versus indoorsy or whatever the case may be. But. Have they just lucked out on this? Because this seems like such a preposterous concept. I know. I think they. I think that they did in the beginning spend more time really trying to find the compatibility. I mean, they go through this lengthy process of interviews and whatnot. Um, but I would say there's there's a like there's a couple this season that I am convinced will probably stay together. And I think that the reason they're going to stay together is because they're both so codependent <laughs> and can't imagine and it because they're just like all of a sudden they're just like all in and completely it's a little um, it seems almost like it could be unhealthy. Right. Like they're basically just like this is it. They matched me. So we're staying married no matter what. And I think they get some people that are in that headspace that end up making it work. And then some I do think they just luck out because there is. There's been some couples that have been really good and you watch them and they are still together. I mean, even, you know, Jamie and Doug is the OG is, you know, being that she uh, ran from him and and hate and was very unattracted to him. And yeah. now they're, you know, still together all these years later and have kids. And um, so I, I would say it's probably a combo of, of lucking out after 
kind of thinking people would be compatible. And then the commitment of the people that are in the process is some of them are really like, no, I'm doing this. And other ones you could think, um, I think they just want to be on TV as, you know, as you see plenty of times on the bachelor. <laughs> yeah. I, I just look at it and I'm like, I don't think the, you know, the attractiveness part and whether or not they're attracted. I mean, that's just everyday dating. If you see somebody out, but in this show, you're basically forced. Like you can't turn around. You are, when you sign that contract, you are committing to when I walk down that aisle, no matter what that person looks like, I have to marry them. But then isn't it like a two or three month trial period? And then on like whatever the reunion show they have to then make the determination to annul it or stay together. Isn't that this show or is that they do? It's eight weeks okay. and they're together. And then um, at the end, then one of the episodes is decision day and that's within the season. Um, so decision day is when they decide whether or not they're going to stay together after eight weeks. And then uh, often they do. And then a lot of times at the reunion, you find out that they already broke up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been a pretty solid trend lately. Well, and it's not it's not far-fetched to think, why would they break up? I mean, they were literally told you have to get married on, you know, sight unseen, essentially. And, you know, until you're walking down the aisle and then you're working everything backwards. You get married first and then you go on a honeymoon and then you move in together and spend time together and learn more about each other. Like, it's so backwards, so backwards that this it isn't... Like the physical part of it, I understand because there's plenty of us that have met somebody out one night and slept with them the same night. It that the physical part can happen. That's not the weird thing to me. It is working backwards from let's get married first, then spend time on a honeymoon together with someone I don't even know. I don't know how they sleep. Do they kick me in bed? Do they snore? All this shit that you don't even know. And then, you know, getting into the whole aspect of, okay, how do they handle their finances? How do they live? Where do they live? What does their place look like? You're finding that out after you're already married to them. And that just, it is so fucking backwards. I don't get it, but it's so backwards. And I, I think I, the, the anxiety that would give me of like learning <laughs> about someone, uh, while spending that much time with them and not having a choice, but to spend that much time with them, I don't, I couldn't do it. I mean, I could, I couldn't do it. I could barely spend that much time with someone that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. Like, I remember, yeah, the first one, obviously, that stuck in everybody's head was first season. Jamie was literally in her bridal gown on her, on the floor at the, where they ever, they got married, crying because she thought her new husband was ugly, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was a disaster. And yet, like you said, now they're here, here they are. God, probably seven, eight years it's been since that was on. I don't know, maybe even longer. Um, but, yeah, they are just, it is one of these things where you're just like, I cannot believe this is a thing, yet some of them really are making it. And you're like, how? Did you just, you know, did did the casting department luck out on this? And they really did a good job of finding two people that really were compatible. But still, Yeah, you know? I think they've, I think they definitely have, they've definitely had some luck. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and like I said, a combo of that. And I mean, there's been a couple where, you know, of course, I'm like blanking on names as I'm sitting here, but there's just a couple where you're like, oh, this is, I could see why these two would make it. And they do seem like a good match. And then, and then they, you know, completely implode <laughs> um, <laughs> right away. And they've had more frequently the past couple seasons, there's been people that have broken up before decision day and that didn't used to happen on these breakups have they been more about 
okay, as I got to know them, I just realized we're not compatible. Are there some crazy ass stories? Has, I, I'm sure there's been some cheating ones where they're just like, yeah, you cheated on me. What has been some of like the biggest reason why these couples don't end up making it? Is it just, yeah, I got to know them and we're not compatible. Yeah. And well, the past couple that have been, you know, breaking up right before, before like a few weeks in have been, you could tell that it was looks based. It was attraction based because oh. there, this, there was one, a couple of seasons ago, this girl, her name was Alyssa and she married this guy named Chris and he seemed like a great guy. And you know, he was, it was, um, I think he was a real estate guy, had his shit together. And she just, she, you could just tell when she looked at him, she was like, don't like his face. And then she spent the entire <laughs> night coming up with reasons that she didn't want to be with him. It was like one of their friends, one of his friends at the wedding was talking to her and he was like, yeah, you got to, you know, you have to keep an eye on him. Like he, he, he works a lot. He's a very hard worker. But sometimes he works too much. So, you know, I, hopefully this can bring him out and, and you guys can, and she decided, well, I can't be with someone that was is working all the time is going to just ignore me and not meet my needs. And she just like ran with that. And it was <laughs> it was an excuse. You know, people find an excuse to get out of it is is what I've noticed over the past couple seasons. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it seems like it'd be really easy to get out of that thing. And this, you know, I don't even know if it counts on your record as actually being married. I don't know. Like if you go on this show and get married and end up, you know, annulling it or whatever and you don't when you date in the future if you're one of these women or men on your next date do you talk about if that was the only time you'd ever been quote-unquote married do you say yeah I was married before I mean I'm sure they probably even know because you google anybody you date and you would know that they were on the show but do these people really really consider this a marriage or is it just like yeah I was on tv more than I was married I, I feel like that's probably, you know, the the angle they would take. And I, I've always, it, they, for some reason, I can't get this information out of the show, which I've always wanted to know is I don't know if it actually counts as a legal, I mean, they always say they're legally married, but I'm like, but it's eight, if they decide before eight weeks, is it really a, you know, does it count as an annulment? Is there a legal divorce? Yeah. And the financial stuff I've always been really curious about and I can't seem to find out about, but I've always been curious about the financial aspect of it. I mean, do they, they, they make sure everything's, I mean, I guess after eight weeks, you're not owed anything from someone anyway, but I just, I don't know how all that, that the logistics of it work in that sense. I've always been curious. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, you want, you cover this show, like you said, for you are, you know, are you my podcast podcast? And when I talk about comedians and, love talking about people's sets and what they choose to go with and what they choose to leave out of their sets. I'm just curious with you, like I said, shit, I haven't seen you in four years. So clearly you're going to have a uh, new material since I last saw you. Do you ever talk reality TV in your set or is that just too much of a God, if I get an audience that doesn't watch it, they have no reason to laugh because they have nothing to relate it to. They didn't watch it. Yeah, that's, that's where I kind of live. I mean, I feel that, um, you know, I, I, you can talk about some things that every, everyone's uh, like the bachelor, everyone's heard of the bachelor. Everyone knows what it's about, right? If you wanted to make a reference to it or something, I don't think you're really going to find anyone in the audience that doesn't know what you're talking about. But for the most part, if you talk about TV, it feels so specific to, you know, whether or not someone in the audience knows what you're talking about. And especially if you get into more details. So as much as say, I would love to talk about Married at First Sight on stage because I do a whole podcast on it. It doesn't, 
it wouldn't, you know, serve me, I don't think, in an audience to do so. I don't think anyone would, you know, the few people that understand or watch it would have fun with it, but it just doesn't seem to work for me. Speaking of reality dating shows, have you seen the commercial for Farmer Wants a Wife coming out oh. on Fox in a couple of weeks? <laughs> Oh, have I ever? And boy, am I going to watch that? And I. <laughs> well, you're. I mean, you're from Arkansas, didn't you? Grow up like farming world, and you grow up I, close. I to did. Farm- I, okay. I grew up in it. I grew up in a town called Farmington. Okay, actually. well there you go. So. <laughs> um, and I, it, it's, it, I, I, this is exactly up my alley. That kind of TV show, obviously. I just, I can't wait. I'm sure I can't decide if it's going to be terrible. I did try to watch the um, the one about Milf Manor. Did you? Oh, I'm I, I'm well aware of what the what the premise of Milf Manor was, and all the men that are on it are the sons of the the eight milfs, which is just I I I cannot believe that's a television show. But I say I cannot believe, but then I'm realizing yes, you can because they make a television show out of basically anything. So right, I right. But how how did it come across? Was it just I can't believe I'm watching this or did it have any redeeming qualities to it? I I watched one episode and I was like, this is, this is too much for me, which is saying a (laughs) lot. Saying a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I could, I just, I was the, the, the sons being there. Why couldn't you just have younger guys there? Why did the sons have to be there? I mean, it just, it was so weird. And then seeing, the women sort of, you know, playing it up with their sons and playing up that, you know, they're going to be dating someone with their, where their son has, you know, rooming with them. And just, I was just like, this is, I'm icked. I feel icky. I don't like it. I don't want to watch it. Yeah. I can't do it. And so they actually lost me after one episode, which is not easy to do with reality TV and me. Yeah. I mean, that just seems, I, I, I heard that like the first challenge in that first episode they blindfolded the mothers and they had to feel all eight guys chests to determine, Oh, this one's my yeah. son. I'm like, you guys yeah. are kidding me. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what, you know, and one woman was like, Oh yeah, I know this body. That's my son. I was like, what? What? <laughs> I, what? what are we doing? Why are we doing this? It was very upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so farmer wants a wife. I spoke with Kristen Baldwin from EW.com last week, and it was the day that they had just released the women. Uh, there's 32 women. I didn't realize. I mean, just I see it. I saw the commercials. I'm like, it's not one guy, but there's four farmers and they each have their own set of eight women. So there's like four different bachelor seasons going on within one show because there's 32 women, four guys and eight women for each guy and i and i'm just like that's too much like we don't need four bachelors or four farmers in one season i don't get it i don't that's the other thing that's it just means we're going to get less time knowing the people really i mean I, I, right especially i don't think this is going to be a two-hour episode every week i'm i'm sure fox has given this one hour a week for probably six to eight weeks i i don't that seems too much but Am I going to give it a try? Absolutely, I'm going to give it a try, and watch Farmer Wants a Wife. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm going to have to be texting you when during the premiere of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is something that I mean, it could work. I really liked Joe Million when when Fox decided to bring back Joe Millionaire last year. I really liked that. I thought they did it perfectly, and not surprising. Two months later. The Bachelor decides to go with two leads, just like Joe Millionaire did. So they basically ripped off Joe Millionaire. That was a good one. I like that. Yeah. 
this, I don't know. Like I said, four leads is a lot, and I feel like we're just not getting maybe to know a lot of them. Um, yeah, I agree with that. So I, here's something I wanted to bring up to you in regards to stand-up, because stand-up obviously has changed. Uh, the comedy world has changed due to whatever you want to call it, cancel culture. I don't really feel that there's a cancel culture. It's more of you know accountability culture. However, um, the, you know there are certain comedians out there that certainly strike a nerve with people and... Some people are saying that, you know, it's hard to be a comedian nowadays because you're so scared. I guess more on the male side because you're so scared of saying something and getting canceled. What is your whole take on it, Ben? Have you found yourself trying to stay away from certain things just because you don't want something you say going viral or getting, you know, making the rounds and being like, oh, my God, look at what this comedian said. Have you changed the way you've done it and approached it? I, I haven't, um, you know, and I, I, I mean, I understand where it comes from and I understand, you know, I think a, a lot of stuff comes from the fact that like you can't, I mean, obviously you're not supposed to film people in clubs and, and whatnot when they're working on stuff and things can be taken out of context and this and that. But for the most part, for me personally, I, I feel that, um, I don't, I can't imagine that I say anything that would get me quote unquote canceled. Right. I don't use race as a punchline. I don't use things like that as a punchline. It just isn't, it's never been my sense of humor and it's never going to be. Um, so, you know, and I don't talk about politics on stage because I just feel like we all <laughs> again, kind of like COVID, uh, but you know, we're exhausted from it. The people that do talk about it on stage are really good at it. You know, someone who's like a Bill Maher, who's like, that's his thing. Yeah. Um, is, is that's very different. But for me, I don't have that and I don't actually enjoy it. It's not fun for me to talk about that stuff. But, you know, I think, I think when you're trying stuff out that you feel might be edgy or, or risky in some way, um, I mean, I guess I can see that, you know, second guessing yourself on things, but I don't feel that I've had that issue. Um, you know, as I say that, watch me get canceled next week for something. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but I don't. I haven't changed my approach on stage um, at all. I, I I don't feel affected by that personally. Knock on, you know, whatever. Um, but I know that it's a thing for people, mostly even even because some people want to talk about subjects that are. Um, pushing the boundaries. And then I think when, when people are, I mean, I like to talk about things that I think everyone can relate to and relationships and stuff. And I'm definitely not squeaky clean. I'm definitely pushing the envelope on, you know, from my, from my perspective on certain things, but it's not offensive. Right. I don't feel that anything like that could be offensive. And if someone's offended by an F bomb or a sex joke, then they probably won't like me, but it's also, that's just, you know, a different sense of humor. And, um, so, yeah, I don't know if I just answered your question or not. <laughs> no, no, you did. And I think that it's just it's definitely just a fine line because there are the you know, the the big names can get away with it. The Chris Rocks and the Louis C.K.'s and, you know, Chappelle took a lot of heat for, yeah. you know, telling jokes about transgenders. And it's just like, but his title is comedian. It's just a joke. And then some people say, well, there's just things that regardless of what your title is, you should not joke about it. And it's just it's it's. It's to each their own. It's everybody's personal opinion on whether they found it offensive and something he shouldn't have said. I 
I never saw. I, I'm not going to comment on it because I never saw the special. I just read the headlines and I know like roughly what he said, but I don't know the exact wording, so I don't want to comment on it. But stuff like that. You know, like I, I didn't. Said. It's funny because I didn't either, and I because I get asked about that a lot, and I'm like, I honestly didn't see it, so I'm not going to make the decision of what was. But you know, again, that's a topic that can be sensitive, and if he wants to talk about it, I, that's. I mean, okay, right? Like you know, yeah. I don't. I, I feel like he's been around long enough to know that if he's saying something that he thinks there might be some quote unquote backlash on that he's already, he already knows about it. It's not coming as a surprise to him and he's making the choice to do it anyway. Right. So, okay. Right. I mean, (laughs) and if you're, and if you're purchasing a ticket to go see Dave Chappelle in concert, you pretty much, I think are well aware that this guy is going to push the envelope as far as he possibly can. If not, or, you know, push the boundaries as far as he can, if not step over it a couple times. I mean, that's just what he's done for his whole career. You can't be that ignorant to think that you're going to hear something and be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he said that. He has exactly. literally said everything possible. Uh, it just, you know, it, it, but like I said, for that particular one, I didn't see that special, so I don't know um, exactly what it was. And I, I wanted to bring this up to you because um, I feel it's a big deal and I don't want to put you on the spot, uh, and you can just cover it how you'd like. You are um, a woman in a in a mostly male dominated field, and I have heard the horror stories of harassment that women in comedy um, have dealt with, either from other comedians uh, or or club owners. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to name names. I mean, if you wanted to, go ahead. I'm not expecting you to, but. Would you be willing to share any stories about some of the things that have that you've had to deal with as a, a female comedian, either things that were said to you directly or you overheard? Were you ever propositioned by a club owner or another comedian? I just find it fascinating because I know that it happens and women in comedy are treated very poorly. And I just wanted to know if you'd be willing to share any stories where – like I said, you don't need to name any names, but yeah, this guy said this to me and knew I was a married woman, but still wanted to fuck me or something like that. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I've definitely, you know, experienced it. I mean, from from I, this isn't uh, sexual harassment, but the, from the smallest thing, like I, I did this show is actually one of my good friends and I were she was opening for me, my co-host from the podcast. And we did a show in this club it was somewhere in ohio i can't remember which which club it was um but the 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 host was i mean the the way he introduced both of us and i mean keep in mind it's my weekend i'm headlining you know um and the way he introduced both of us was so it was basically like um i mean it, it was oh you know women you know they're 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 really out there doing comedy and you know, so you gotta gotta try to give them some laughs. I mean, basically give them a packed talk, like they're about to see a, a you know, an invalid first timer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was I was like, what the fuck is going on? My my friend, sorry for the f bomb there, but no, my friend that course. opened for me, <laughs> it was so funny. She she's like she's like basically his intro was. Uh, you know, they, they can vote now and and God, they can even drive and, uh, well, welcome one of those girls to the stage. I mean, it was so ridiculous that I couldn't even, 
I almost couldn't even get offended because I was like, is this guy serious? Is this, a, you know, was he doing a bit? I didn't even, yeah. um, needless to say, he didn't, he didn't host the next night um, because I, that's not something that I should have to follow. I shouldn't have to be brought up on stage to my own weekend by yeah. someone who thinks that I just, uh, you know, barely can make decisions for myself. Um, and, but I have definitely been, you know, club owners for the most part, I haven't had a bad experience with, uh, you know, I'm lucky in that way. Um, but there's a lot of the guys, uh, you know, coming up and, and some of the younger guys, you, you, you get a vibe from, uh, a few of them of, of, of that they have the mindset that they're better than you because they're a male <laughs> comedian. And, um, and a lot of them don't bother to look you up or know who you are and things like that that always surprised me because if I was ever opening for someone, I mean, I'm my first, you know, note is to make sure I spell their, say their name right. And no matter how many times I have to Google it and to make sure I know their credits and, you know, thank them for having me and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but I would say I've overheard plenty of disparaging remarks, uh, in my time. <laughs> um, I feel that I'm lucky enough now that I don't necessarily encounter that very much. And maybe it's just, I'm a little more particular with the places that I accept, um, offers from to go do, you know, um, if I had a bad experience somewhere, I'm not going to go back there, but I personally haven't had to deal with a thing like, a, you know, like what everyone knows about Louis CK and, and asking people if he can take his penis out for them and things yeah. like that. I haven't, but I have plenty of friends who were, and mm. plenty of friends who were heavily affected by talking about it and plenty of friends who got completely harassed online just for daring to admit that that also happened to them. And then his, um, you know, people's fans come after you. I mean, you know, between like Chris D'Elia and people like that, like their fans will come after women who speak up. It's a very strange culture. That oh, yeah. I mean, it's of it. yeah, the, the whole standing culture in anything. Shit, you get people in Bachelor Nation that they're a fan of somebody, but that person, you know, comes across as negative on the show and then they just attack the people that attack them. And it's, it's really bad. And, you know, yeah, I can totally see that, especially with as popular as Louis CK is and Chris D'Elia, what he went through. Um, and Chris D'Elia basically flat out admitted that he was, yeah, you know, contacting women on Instagram and basically looking to hook up. And, um, yeah, I just, I know it's, a, I know it's a thing. I've a friend of mine, has dealt with it as well. And it's just one of these things where I, I I feel like, especially, I mean, you're more established. You are headlining in at Hyenas this weekend in Dallas. You are not an opening act. And I think that someone like you can easily just, you know, kind of put it behind you and just be like, fuck it. I'm, I'm headlining. But as someone who's coming up in the industry and, getting propositioned and getting turned away from stage time because they won't comply with something like that. Have you heard of stories like that or know of anybody that dealt with that? Yeah, I've definitely heard those stories and it's, Ugh. and that's the thing that's so hard to, to, you know, for people to realize, I think is that there's people, you know, especially say with, you know, Louis CK, right. That story, whoever you feel about what it was, however you, 
stand on it to when someone's in a position of power it makes someone uncomfortable yeah. and that person doesn't know whether or not they did or didn't get a job because they didn't accept the terms right but that's what you're going to assume how else are you what else are you supposed to assume yeah um so yeah it's i, I it's unfortunate because i don't know as much as they you know expose things and people talk about things it doesn't seem to matter um it doesn't seem like it'll ever all go away yeah it just seems like it's a almost like a good old boys network and they're gonna control you know i you know not saying that louis ck never deserved to ever be on stage again um but now i don't know i i've seen clips on tiktok of his sets post incident and I just, I, look, I loved Louis C.K. before all this. But now hearing him joke about it, it's almost like, okay, well then what can, if, if he's allowed to now joke about what got him in trouble, I, I, then I don't know what is ever off limits. Because this was a major thing that had, a, like you said, a traumatic effect on women. Now he's on stage joking about it. You know? I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't seem right, but I don't want to deprive the guy of ever making a living again. Not that he's going to be living on the streets if he never did another stand-up performance again because he's got a shit ton of money. But right. I don't know. I, I, I'm really at a loss for that one. I don't really know what to think of it. No, I agree with you. It's hard to know because, um, you know, I, it's there's a point where you go, like you said, do, I, do we deprive someone of ever being able to make a living again? And is it the people that go to see him know what they're, you know, getting into. So we just let them do it and that's their choice and et cetera, et cetera. But then you think about the, um, I guess it's kind of the, the re-traumatizing when he jokes on stage about it. Right. And someone hears about it and yeah. it's, it's sort of like, you just wish someone would make a better choice than that. It's like, listen, if you're going to, you know, if you're gonna, you, you're you're out there. You you made it through the the quote unquote cancel thing. You're obviously not canceled. You're out here doing it. Just can you can you do it with um, grace in some way, and just sort of recognize that you did hurt some people along the way, and at least try to make amends in in some capacity. Or, you know, or just or just don't talk about it. I don't know something. Yeah, but, that's but the, maybe not joke about it. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing where I'm at. It's like I have no problem this guy telling jokes again and getting on stage. He was out of comedy for I think it was at least a year, and then he finally you know slowly got back into it. And but then when I heard some of the stuff that he was saying, I'm like, okay, well now I don't know if your apology about this was real, because you did apologize, but now you're joking about it to enhance your career. I mean, I, I could understand a a nod to what you did and then just move on with your set. But he's definitely dedicating time to it. And I, I see the angle that I, I mean, I've heard the clips. I've see the angle that he's that he's going for in this storytelling joke telling of his incident. And I just, I just know because it doesn't obviously affect me, but I know it affects others. So Am I a shitty person for laughing at it or thinking, oh, wow, that was actually pretty funny how he turned that in. He turned his misery and what he went through into a, a funny story. Like, I don't know. Does it make me a shitty person? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it, hard. You know, I 
I wasn't laughing hysterically, but I also know that like, man, he's really, I know the people that the women that were involved in this, that he affected, this is going to get around to them and they are going to be triggered and they have every reason to be triggered and that sucks. So what do you do? Never have this guy do a stand up again or give him rules on his stand up. You can't, it's his stand up. He can say whatever he wants. So yeah, shit, my hands, I <laughs> just throw my hands up in the air. I don't know. I, <laughs> no, it's, it's totally, it's, and, you know, I haven't seen any of those clips, but I have heard about it. So obviously can't speak on kind of like with the Dave Chappelle thing. I can't quite speak on exactly what he said, but you just know when you hear that he's joking about it and you're like, God, that that that's got to add some <laughs> some salt to the wounds that he's already caused. Right. And you just wish he wouldn't do it, maybe. Yeah. No, I mean, I I'm I'm so like. Yeah, like I said, I'm pretty much throwing my hands up the air on this one. So let's move, yeah. let's move on from that. I appreciate you at least sharing and letting people know that people who aren't familiar maybe with the stand-up world, that it it is not a fun place sometimes for women to be. And it's very tough for women coming up in that industry uh, to deal with the, you know, the sexual harassment, the misogyny, um, the comments about whether, you know, you or just women in general – that you have to hear from these from these guys who think they're just better and because they're guys. It's just it's kind of sickening when you think about it. It is. It's it's bizarre. It's it's a bizarre thing. I mean, I don't even know where we. I don't know why we ever ever said female comic or male comic. Like I don't know why it ever even got. You know, <laughs> yeah. you don't say right. Like you don't say the the female bank teller. I don't know. It's just it's very. It's it's always been a strange thing that I've never quite understood the um the mentality around it. It probably because I guess you because it's not happening the other way around. You know, men don't have to deal with women comments and getting like they're I don't think they're being sexually harassed and may being made, you know, misogynistic comments about. It's always right. the men that are treating the women like shit. So it's all right. it's like, you know, I, I just I know it happens. It sucks. And I just, you know, I wanted a, a, a comedian to speak out about it. So thank you. Um, yeah. Speaking of comedians who speak out, we were talking about this before we, uh, we started recording this whole thing with Chelsea Handler that went viral, uh, about a week <laughs> ago where let's just say TV talking heads that lean to the right had a really big issue with just a bit that she did about being a childless a childless woman and yeah. a day in the life of a childless woman, which is totally a bit. She was on, like I said, I think the daily show, it happened a couple of weeks ago uh, in February, earlier this month. And it just absolutely got the brains exploding uh, from some of the talking heads on the right leaning channels. And as a comedian, do you, you see this and you're just like, Oh my God, how are these people so triggered by her? It was, I, I was, I was so confused because, you know, she's done this for a while. She does these, you know, she's done videos about it, jokes about it, whatever. And then when she was hosting Daily Show, this one was, um, you know, posted. It's like Chelsea Handler and The Daily Show. So I don't know if that's why it got more traction and hmm. those particular people caught on to it based on what The Daily Show tends to talk about, too. So they, you know, were aiming at it. But it, it it's they were so angry and talking about how she's so miserable and look at how she's so miserable. It's like, she's really not, <laughs> she's just, you know, defending her choices and making light of it and having fun with it. Um, and the, the way they, 
got upset and the way they attacked her. It was, I mean, I, I was like, did I miss something? Did she say something about them in here? Are they personally attacked? Like, what is going on? And no, she didn't. It was just a very strange, like, as you say, like, it, they were completely triggered. It was really bizarre. I was just like, what is what is this about? And and why are you taking the time? I mean, you're grown men. Like, I didn't know why they were taking the time to even make it a topic. I think I think what you said earlier, the whole Daily Show part of it must have been it. That played a role because they they love going after, you know, whatever the Daily Show says. I mean, I, I know that's a, a thing for them. So, but yeah, to call her a, you know, a miserable woman and wow, just this is what this is what a uh, a childless this is how miserable a childless woman is. And it's just like first <laughs> off, she's choosing to be. It's just her choice. Who cares? And why the hell are you so bothered by someone who chooses to be childless? Like it makes zero sense. And uh, like then again, this goes into the whole politics world that I don't want to jump into. I, I've never understood why anybody cares what someone chooses to have kids or not like why should that bother you in any way shape or form it shouldn't just don't comment well, on it you know yeah i think that was the part because it's like you know i understand maybe deciding to you know if you're defending yourself if you're if, she, if she's called you know, I, I mean there was it literally had nothing to do with them it had nothing to do with anyone else it had there was no um you know it's it wasn't as if she was also bashing women who have children she it's just you know, there are, there's still this huge mentality around women that don't have kids. I don't have kids and I've just never wanted them. Yeah. And, you know, and I do talk about it in my stand up too, because I'm like, it's not, you know, we're not baby haters. We just didn't want to have kids. Like it's cool. And it doesn't affect you at all. Um, so for her to make a, you know, video that had nothing, it just, I, their, their response to it was so bizarre that I really was like, did she, was this aimed at them somehow? And I kept, nope, sure wasn't. It was just oh. something they decided to to comment on. Yeah, angry white men just going <laughs> after somebody who didn't want to have children and made jokes about being a childless mother and being able to smoke pot every day. You know, it's like, that's a joke. That's funny. That she wasn't like, and they, and the thing was their anger was like so directed towards, it almost seemed like they took the whole video literally. And it wasn't, it's like, did they know that she's one of the, you know, most famous comics out there, like one of the most successful comics out there, how successful she's been in her TV career, her book writing career. Like, I, it's almost like they they were that dumb. They were just like, hey, do we have anything for the, the D segment in today's show? Oh, let's pull this up. Like they were like fighting for something to talk about. I, I could not believe how angry they were. It was It's one thing to bring it up and talk about it. It's another thing to show how angry and bothered you are by it, which is just... So, so, so angry and bothered. Like it it just, it it was, I was like, I just had such secondhand embarrassment when I was watching, you know, them talk about it. Cause I was just like, are these people seriously spending their time on this? Is this what's happening? Um, And, and it was, it's exactly what they were doing. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Um, I want to, I want to end with this. Um, Football is back on the air. And obviously for those that don't know, your husband, John Ryan, was a punter in the NFL for a long time with the Seattle Seahawks. And the XFL relaunched for a, I guess, technically a third time. It started in the late 90s, had one season, disappeared forever. 
It came back in 2020, but got canceled because the pandemic hit. You know, they were about, I think, three or four games into the season when the pandemic hit. So they had to cancel it. The Rock ended up buying the XFL. They relaunched again this past weekend. Just out of curiosity, was John contacted to be a part of this in any way? No, no, no? not at all. Uh, no, he so he played um, in the CFL for the past three seasons and because he just wanted to keep playing. And then he actually made the decision to retire in um, – December. Uh, and, and so he played his last game in the CFL in November, I think it was. And, um, and decided after that to retire, um, you know, still, I mean, he had a great season. He's still great, but it's one of those things that I think a lot of people would understand is you, you want to choose to leave on your own terms for the, the, the sport. And, um, and he was like, I've just got to make the decision, you know, on my, on my own terms. And, um, and so, because otherwise, I I was like, because I was like, is he going to be in the XFL next year? What's going to happen? Um, <laughs> I thought we were going to have to pry a football out of his cold dead hands. But um, yeah, he wasn't. You no, know, but we I I didn't get to watch any of it. He said he was watching some of it on Saturday. He, he actually happened to be in Texas and he wanted to go um, to the game in Arlington, but um, didn't get to make it. But did you watch any of it? I watched the first quarter and a half of the first game. And then I watched a lot of the highlights and, you know, as I've told my audience, I'm not watching for the actual game itself. I don't care who wins. I don't care. I mean, there'll probably be some players that get called up and get on 50, you know, the 53 man roster. There might even be somebody who ends up, you know, being a third receiver on a team. Who knows? I don't think there's going to be any, you know, former future NFL MVPs come out of this league, but, I understand why the league is there. And for me, I'm watching it for figuring out, well, what is the NFL going to steal from the XFL? Because they've done it in the past. (laughs) And there are some things that the NFL is absolutely going to take from this league, I think. I I, I saw four things that I think will will be NFL staples in the next three to five seasons. I think the kickoff. What were they? The kickoff rule, I think, is one. Have you you seen that, what they do for the XFL? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the kicker, the kicker's by himself now, and then you put the kicking teams off, you know, defense on the 30, the receiving team on the 25, and this allows for more kickoffs, but we all know the biggest injury in the NFL, according to statistics, comes from kickoff returns because these mm-hmm. people have a 60-yard running head start to blast your whole body into another orbit. So now only starting at the 30 and the blockers are five yards in front of you, you're not getting a running start and they, they can do that. I think that NFL is absolutely going to adopt that at some point. Um, yeah, I agree five with years. that. Um, the extra point, mm, I'm not sure. Going, you know, get one point going from the two, two points going from the five, three points going from the 10. That might be too gimmicky for the NFL. Maybe they just do it as a one point or two point and kickers are only used now for field goals and, uh, and um, kickoffs, maybe, and and obviously punts. And then, what was the other thing? Oh, the replay system was way better in the XFL than than the. I NFL. know that. I, yeah, I heard that and saw some of it. Um, like, and the and the transparency of it seems pretty crazy. That's what I. And that's what I think most people because when we see a replay on an NFL game, whether it's on CBS or Fox or ESPN or Amazon Prime or NBC, we're seeing their rules official either in the booth or in a studio talking to the announcers just giving his opinion on what he thinks it is whereas 
the XFL, we're seeing Dean Blandino in the studio looking at all these screens saying, okay, he's got a foot down. Let me see if he's got possession. Yes, he's got possession. This is a catch. And he's literally talking to the official. And then the official says, after replay review, we have a catch. Like, why can't the NFL do that? Is it too much? Is it almost too much transparency and they don't want you to peek behind the curtain on that? Because that seems like that's what every fan wants to know when we go to fucking replay is exactly. what, are they, what are they looking at? Can we see it? You know, what are they commenting on? What are they seeing that we're not seeing? And why is this being called a certain way? Like, I think that's happening uh, in the NFL. And then there was one other one that I thought uh, it was the kick. It was the kickoff. Maybe the extra points, the return, uh, the um, the replay, and then ah, eh, there was one other one that I forgot. But yeah, I, I I watch it for that, and because I, I know the NFL will will take something from it at some point. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, you're not wrong about that. I'm sure. So so no so no team even placed a call to John to try and coax him out to to come to the XFL, or he it was just I, done. I, I think it was pretty obvious. Uh, yeah, he's okay. gonna um. Yeah, he 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 basically um, well, and I think he because he played this season in Canada anyway, so they wouldn't have been able to, um, you know, he was already signed to to do that, so that was probably another reason. Um, oh, but I I think once he once he made the decision, it got pretty public, and then he's going to do a um, a one day contract with the Seahawks, which is going to be really cool. Um, oh, nice! You know, to, so that he can retire as a Seahawk, which is a cool thing they do for, you know, they don't do it for everyone and. I'm glad they're doing it for him. Uh, they have to do it oddly. This is probably something you already know, but I was surprised they have to do it in the off season, like when the new season of, of, of the NFL, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, but begins like um, not traditionally, Jesus Christ. I can't think of my, my words right now, but basically when the 2023 season actually starts, which is like sometime in March, March. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they have to do it then because uh, and they couldn't do it during the season the, when the roster's full because it actually takes a roster spot for a day, even though it's just a ceremonial thing. Are you serious? Um, they really yeah. they really would have to cut somebody for a day and then re-sign him because yeah. if they did this for John during the season? Oh, wow. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So that's why they do it um, when they do, which is either you know right when the new season starts officially that's the word i was looking for officially officially um (laughs) so they'll either they do it then um and when they have plenty of spots open wow well that's congratulations to that i mean that's that's a really cool honor to be able to uh retire a seahawk uh i know you know obviously you i know you loved it up there you loved being in that freezing cold weather uh as the 12th man right you loved it. I did. Yeah, I really did. Actually, <laughs> it's like nothing. It was so much fun. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it was it was quite an experience. Uh, so that was that was really cool. I'll definitely miss that. Are you going to did you miss when 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 Russ was finally let go and traded? Did you cheer by that? Any chance? <laughs> did, you, did you applaud that decision? Were you in favor of let's let, let's let Russ and Ciara go somewhere else? Come on now. Let's. let's. You know, it was crazy that I, he was always very cool to us and very cool to John. Um, and, inter- and a couple of times I interacted her with her. It was, it was, she was super, very kind down to earth, not at all what I expected. Um, but, you know, there's such big personalities uh, uh, on Instagram and everywhere else. And um, I could see where it could get distracting for people, you know? Yeah. So, um, 
and then it was really weird to just watch him have such a not a good season it was not what i it's just not expected uh at all so really really weird I, to watch him be terrible this past season like yeah literally yeah that's terrible. Word. yeah <laughs> yeah i mean he was when you know obviously when he first arose uh, or you know came on the scene in seattle right away i mean success right away starting as a rookie you know getting to two super bowls while he was there one of the best quarterbacks in the league and then just to see it and then it almost seemed like people started to to tire of him and to to sour on him because of the social media popularity. Like it almost did him in in Seattle because, you know, you've heard the rumors. They were literally like packing his bags and driving him to the airport by the time he left Seattle. Like they were they were happy that this this, yeah. this ended. And you're just like, wow, how did how did he fall from grace so much considering how much he was beloved there when he first started and when he was taking them to Super Bowls, you know? Yeah, it, it was it was uh it was a bizarre thing to witness, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then coupled with, like you said, this this past year where he was just god awful. I mean, it's just like what happened. So, I don't know. We'll see. He's got a better coach this year. Uh, the Broncos hired Sean Payton, so we'll see if if it was the coaching last year or if he has really just lost a step and isn't ever going to be the Russ that that we knew him from his Seattle days. So. Yeah. Interesting to see. Um, Like I said, uh, you will be at Hyenas Comedy Club. Tickets still available. Hyenas Comedy Club in Dallas this weekend. Two shows Friday, 830 and 1030. Two shows Saturday, 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock. Go buy your tickets online. It is, I think it's, let me get the exact website address. It's hyenascomedynightclub.com. Hyenascomedynightclub.com. It's down uh, in downtown Dallas off Mockingbird. I've been there a couple times. I think I saw Joe Rogan there like literally pre the Joe Rogan that we're experiencing now. I'm talking early fear factor days when I saw him at, uh, Oh wow. At hyenas. And I saw Chris Porter at hyenas. I know that uh, a long time ago as well. Um, funny guy. Uh, and then, yeah, I think those are the only two times I've been down to hyenas. Usually it's Addison where I saw you last. Is where yeah, I, I know this is, I think I've only been to hyenas once before, so I'm okay. looking forward to going back there. I haven't. Yeah. Um, but I heard they're doing well and, you know, should be fun. So nice. Yeah. So Friday and Saturday night, two shows a night. Tickets are still available. Hyenasnightclub.com. Check it out. Sarah, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. And I will uh, see you soon. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Sarah for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't think she would name names of anybody who, you know, did her wrong in the comedy world, but I did want to talk about it because it is a major thing. I mean, I, I follow stand-up comedy probably more than probably 99% of you listening to this right now, and I'm on a lot of uh, Instagram accounts, follow a lot of comedians, and I just see them post in their Instagram stories about shit that happened to them, shit that was said to them, not getting booked because they won't sleep with a booker. Like, this is what happens. And it's just, it's, it's you know, I, I get that this happens elsewhere, but it doesn't make it right. I guess it, you know, it happens in the office where men in power take advantage of women and use their power to their advantage on something like this. And, you know, it sucks to hear. And I'm glad that Sarah didn't have any, you know, traumatic experiences from it, but she definitely felt that she has, has dealt with it. The, you know, the misogyny and these just male comedians thinking 
they're better than her. And hearing hearing that an opener said that about her when it's her weekend headlining at a comedy club and the opener isn't giving her any respect, like, that's just fucking shitty. Hope that guy got fired. I mean, she did say he wasn't back the next night, so maybe he did. So anyway, uh, thanks to Sarah for coming on. Thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. Uh, and we are back tomorrow with another Daily Roundup and the Sports Daily and... So check that out tomorrow on your feed. Anyway, for Sarah Colonna, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you for tuning in, and I will talk to you tomorrow. See you!